The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald Chapter 3, Section 5 When he was gone, I turned immediately to Jordan, constrained to assure her of my surprise. I had expected that Mr. Gatsby would be a florid and corpulent person in his middle years. Who is he? I demanded. Do you know? He's just a man named Gatsby. Well, where is he from, I mean, and what does he do? Now you're started on the subject, she answered with a wan smile. Well, he told me once he was an Oxford man. A dim background started to take shape behind him, but at her next remark, it faded away. However, I don't believe it. Why not? I don't know, she insisted. I just don't think he went there. Something in her tone reminded me of the other girls. I think he killed a man and had the effect of stimulating my curiosity. I would have accepted without question the information that Gadsby sprang from the swamps of Louisiana or from the Lower East Side of New York. That was comprehensible. But young men didn't, at least in my provincial inexperience, I believe they didn't, drift coolly out of nowhere and buy a palace on Long Island Sound. Anyhow, he gives large parties, said Jordan, changing the subject with an urbane distaste for the concrete. And I like large parties. They're so intimate. At small parties, there isn't any privacy. There was the boom of a brass bass drum, and the voice of the orchestra leader rang out suddenly above the echolalia of the garden. Ladies and gentlemen, he cried, at the request of Mr. Gatsby, we are going to play for you Mr. Vladimir Tostoff's latest work, which attracted so much attention at Carnegie Hall last May. If you read the papers, you knew, no, there was a big sensation. He smiled with jovial condescension and added, some sensation, whereupon everybody laughed. This piece is known, he concluded lustily, as Vladimir Tostov's Jazz History of the World. The nature of Mr. Tostov's composition eluded me, because just as it began, my eyes fell on Gatsby, standing alone on the marble steps and looking from one group to another with approving eyes. His tanned skin was drawn attractively tight on his face, and his short hair looked as though it were trimmed every day. I could see nothing sinister about him. I wondered if the fact that he was not drinking helped to set him off from his guests, for it seemed to me that he grew more correct as the fraternal hilarity increased. When the jazz history of the world was over, girls were putting their heads on men's shoulders in a puppyish, convivial way. Girls were swooning backward playfully into men's arms, even into groups, knowing that someone would arrest their falls.
but no one swooned backward on Gatsby, and no French bob touched Gatsby's shoulder, and no singing quartets were formed with Gatsby's head for one link. Um, I beg your pardon? Gatsby's butler was suddenly standing beside us. Miss Baker? he inquired. I beg your pardon, but Mr. Gatsby would like to speak to you alone. With me? she exclaimed in surprise. Yes, madame. She got up slowly, raising her eyebrows at me in astonishment, and followed the butler toward the house. I noticed that she wore her evening dress. All her dresses, like sports clothes, there was a jauntiness about her movements, as if she had first learned to walk upon golf courses on clean, crisp mornings.' 